Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hello, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today with my friend Monica Helvey, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, both here in California and in Texas. Hi, Monica. Hi, Anne. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you here today, Monica, because actually you and I met once in person at a party pre-COVID. Yes, like right before COVID. (laughs) Right before there was some kind of Mm Christmas-ish party for mommies who are therapists. And I think that was the only time we actually saw each other in person, but we did, we did live in the same community and now you've moved off to Texas, like a lot of Californians do. (laughs) I'm a refugee. (laughs) Yeah. And you're living your life. there doing online therapy for both Californians and Texans. So would you like to tell us a little bit about your, your life, your practice, what, what you're doing there? Yeah. So I, um, have a virtual, uh, full practice. Um, right now I am accepting just a few more clients, um, mostly in Texas. Um, I offer EMDR and am trauma certified. So my specialty is in helping individuals uh, work through their trauma reactions. And um, I also see a lot of clients with anxiety and yeah. And you're a mom, you have what, yeah. two kids? Three, three I kids. have three kiddos under, under 10 and um, you know, five different teams between the three of them. So <laughs> So it's nice to have the time to, to be with them and, um, and still, you know, help, you know, doing the work we do with mental health. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, and Monica, I invited you here specifically today because we're part in a trauma series right now. And I'm not sure exactly how many episodes, probably four or five, but we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. about trauma for the majority of this month. And Uh, You are, as you said, a specialist in trauma. You're certified to help people that have had trauma. Last week, Jess and I talked about what trauma is and how to know if you have trauma. And yeah, you probably do. (laughs) (laughs) And and just kind of how that works in your brain and your body. But now that you're here, I would like you to help us understand some of the most um, beneficial ways of treating trauma. And so today specifically, we're going to talk about EMDR. And if you've listened to the Soul Grit podcast at all over the course of the last year, um, my listeners will know we've talked about EMDR here and there. Different guests have mentioned it. And I've always promised, yes, we're going to do an episode on that. Today, (laughs) we're going to do an episode on that. So the day is here and we're going to do it today. (laughs) Um, 
Uh, Monica, you just shared with me that you uh, got certified, I think in 2020, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the end of the pandemic. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was challenging to kind of complete all of that at that time. Yes. But um, maybe just briefly tell us what does it mean to be certified as an EMDR therapist? Yeah. So the difference between certified and, and trained is that um, therapists who are trained in EMDR will typically have, um, you know, a few weekend trainings and um, some consultation hours that they are required to complete in order to say that they have been trained in EMDR. Um, with, with a therapist who's certified in EMDR, they will then take that consultation on and, and extend it. So they will do, you know, um, 20 consultation hours and um, provide a, a minimum required um, EMDR sessions in order to qualify for that certification. Okay. So the difference between your level of expertise and mine is that I am trained. So I'm legally and ethically able to provide EMDR sessions for clients. I've had that, those weekend trainings, as well as that, those hours of consultation, but I'm not certified. So I haven't gone like that extra step to do the certification with the extra consultation and extra sessions. So that's why you're here, Monica. (laughs) You're more experienced than I am at this. So I will be able to understand the basic concepts, but as I told you before we put push record, I'm going to pretend like I know nothing and (laughs) you're going to have to help us understand just in layman's terms. First of all, what does EMDR stand for? So it's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And uh, so, so what that is, is um, we're really trying to engage the eye movements to, to access your, your brain's way of healing. There, there's already a pathway for where your brain and body typically process and store memories and, and it moves it through this process um, that typically happens when we're in rest and repair. Um, However, when we've experienced a trauma, our body doesn't typically move into rest and repair. It stays sort of stuck on or stuck off. So hyperarousal, which would be fight or flight, or hypoarousal, which would be freeze. And the process of getting stuck is really where that trauma gets gets taken into the body and it doesn't get processed all the way through. Mm -hmm. So why eye movements? Well, eye movements is one of the ways that we can access that pathway. Um, Francine Shapiro is is the founder of EMDR, and she she actually noticed that when she was uh, was on a walk and she was engaging in this bilateral stimulation with her walk, right foot, left foot, but her eyes were also moving, scanning from right to left. And she noticed that as she was thinking about this disturbing information she had just received, in doing that eye movement and that walk, she noticed that her her activation around this actually softened. Mm -hmm. So so the eye movements was the first thing she became interested in and researched, and we have a lot of information on that. However, you know, EMDR is an evidence-based approach. So there's, there's a lot of information on the eye movements, but there's also additional research that's been done on the tactile bilateral stimulation, as well as the audio bilateral stimulation. Those are also effective modalities. Okay. So give us an example of uh, tactile bilaterals. 
Yeah. So um, again, trauma is, is biological. So it has a biological impact. So, so it's not just a, a thing that happens in your brain. It's a thing that happens in your body. Mm-hmm. And, and so the tactile stimulation, it could be tappers. Uh, some, some therapists will use um, like a little pulsators that you can hold in your hand and they don't shock you, um, <laughs> but they do vibrate. And, and that sort of engages that, that bilateral stimulation. Um, or they might do tapping. They might tap on your knees. They might uh, tap on your hands. Um, but, or, or you can self tap, you know, that's another way that we could do that. Um, but that bilateral stimulation, that, that tactile touch from right to left, Mm -hmm. it, it activates the hemispheres of your brain. It activates um, the survival part of your brain, the, the brain stem, the vagus nerve, your, your emotional center of your brain brings all of that into um, like working memory. It brings it all forward, right? So that, that tap, that tap, that touch or the stimulation from right to left, it really engages those centers of your brain that are required in order for you to process, digest and heal. Mm-hmm. And then the auditory would be the same, right? You have a tone on one in one ear, a tone yep. in the other ear. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's and any, it brings both hemispheres online. <laughs> anything that crosses that midline to bring the the two hemispheres. So when I was in training, I remember my instructor said, even with children, sometimes she would have them color like yeah. with a marker from one side of the page to the other side of the page, because their eyes would follow the marker. And then that would activate that same yeah. thing. So there's yeah. any, there's a, a range of ways that we can cross those hemispheres, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I've used um, like those stress balls, those squishy stress balls, mm-hmm. and you could do, you know, squeeze on the right side and squeeze on the left side or, or pass the ball from right to left. Oh, yeah. And it could also activate and, and engage that, that mm-hmm. bilateral. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the reasons why I will tell clients like go for a walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it you works. Ever, <laughs> you ever feel better after you've gone for a walk? This is why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or exactly. even like my daughter is a percussionist. And so I'll say like, maybe you should play your drums for a while. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Anything that can really um, engage those hemispheres. And, and I also want to say like, part of why EMDR works is because we are doing that bilateral stimulation, but we're doing it in a rested, relaxed, safe body, right? So that's the main, main piece as well. If you're, if you're trying to do this at home, but you, you still struggle with getting regulated, Mm -hmm. your brain won't let you go there. It won't let you process and unpack it because it's still in survival mode. So we really do have to be in that, um, that safe space, right. Which is typically what the therapist uh, office should offer. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have to be able to know how to get into that, that central body. So the stimulation, the desensitization part of EMDR comes, you know, in phase four, it's an eight phase approach. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I want to put that out there to your listeners as well, because, um, going for the walk is, is absolutely wonderful, but if you're going to be trying to challenge yourself to desensitize some traumatic stuff, 
learn how to regulate first. Let's learn how to, how to contain and and prepare yourself for that process. And we've had a lot of conversations on the podcast about regulating and self-care and kind of grounding Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, but when it comes to trauma, sometimes you're so activated and it's so stuck there, right there in your brain that you can't do the regulation yourself. And that's why we go and see a therapist and say, help me get calmed down, help my parasympathetic nervous system to come online here. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned the eight phases. Do you want to Mm -hmm. give us just the brief rundown of each of those phases if you have it there? Yeah, absolutely. So, so phase one is going to be just getting your client history, right? So, so you're going to be sharing with your provider about Um, you know, your general life history, you know, your medical conditions, like just typical um, client history stuff. Phase two is going to be more preparation. So in that phase, you're really going to be doing a lot more, like you said, resourcing, developing coping skills to, to manage getting into a regulated body and staying there. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of the, the goal of that phase there is just to prepare you to do the trauma work, right? Um, then phase three is going to be more of the assessment. Now, this assessment isn't the typical biopsychosocial, right? Uh, developmental history. This this assessment is really specific to what you want to target with EMDR. Mm-hmm. So, where do you want to go? What are the thoughts that you have? What are the images that come up for you? How disturbing is this for you? That kind of information specific to the the memory you're trying to, uh, or the experience you're trying to to desensitize. Mm -hmm. Uh, Phase four is going to be where you do the desensitization. That's that's the stuff that people think that they could come into session and that's what they're going to start with. Yeah. (laughs) And and what I I typically say to to my clients who've experienced a lot of trauma um, is that if we do a great job in phase two and three, mm-hmm. phase four goes so fast. Yeah, It's so easy. It's so smooth. Um, but sometimes it, particularly with complex PTSD, mm-hmm. um, that's sort of the trauma that's death by a thousand paper cuts, right? Where it's, it's so insidious that you might not even realize that you've experienced trauma for those particular clients. Slow is fast. Right. So when we are doing this, this preparation work and this a detailed assessment, then when it comes time to activating the memory, you've already done so much work mm-hmm. um, that you're prepared for that. You feel ready for that. You're not scared or alarmed by that. And it, and it can be really, really smooth and effective. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just want to throw that out there too, because again, sometimes we think, oh, EMDR is going to be great. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to do my eye movements. I'm going to get out. Yep. <laughs> Well, yes, but (laughs) we're going to do some prep work first. Um, So phase five is going to be the installation. That is really where we are going to to challenge that negative belief. Uh, We're going to reframe that into that positive statement. We're going to really make sure that at the end of this reprocessing session, that that positive belief is solid, right? That, That it's installed, that when you think back to that memory, this positive belief is what comes up for you instead. You give us an example of like a negative cognition and a positive cognition. Yeah, sure. Um, so a negative cognition would be like, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's one that, that a number of my clients will come in with or, um, or I should have done something. 
right? If they, if they were activated in a hypo aroused uh, state of the trauma. Mm-hmm. And so a positive cognition would be like, I am good enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or I did the best I could. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I did what I needed to do to survive. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so those, those are the positive statements that we, that we will oftentimes say like, I want to believe it. My head in my head, I know that that's true, but my mm-hmm. body, ah, Keeps my body doesn't head. believe it. I can't <laughs> absorb it. Right. I have a lot of clients saying I can't absorb that when people tell me you're good. You're good enough. That was great. I can't absorb those compliments. Yeah. That's yeah. the trauma narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then phase six is going to be that body scan where again, we're really just checking in. Does, is, is the body clear of that trauma? Is the body still tight or tense or has it actually processed and released this traumatic mm-hmm. experience? Mm-hmm. Um, phase seven is going to be closure, just making sure everything's nice and closed up and contained for you. And then phase eight is going to be reevaluation. So that might typically happen the week after you've done your reprocessing session, your therapist will check in with you and say, how did it go? What did you notice? Any changes in beliefs or insights? And, um, and so that is really what the reevaluation is. Mm -hmm. And I would say in my experience, I know you sometimes do longer sessions than I do, but it's almost impossible to get through all of that <laughs> right in one uh-huh. session um, or even a couple of sessions uh, because there are, are those eight phases and they're all crucial to work together that it might be over the course of a month or so that you're sure. you're still working on just this one trauma or this one negative cognition but it's taking a handful of sessions to kind of get sure. through each of those phases Yes. Yes. And, and again, sometimes, um, how that is set up is, is, and, and how quickly you can accomplish that is going to be, um, based upon your provider, their approach, their training. If you have an attachment trained EMDR therapist, again, like you said, it may be a slower process over the course of time Mm -hmm. versus if you have a provider that specializes in doing EMDR intensives. Mm-hmm. Right. Then, then their approach, how they set up that target with you and, and how, how they come to determine, are we going to cluster this negative belief? Or are we going to go for one specific memory? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that will be, you know, dependent upon your provider and, and how that's set up. And a lot of times I find that somebody will come in with that negative cognition, the I'm not good enough or whatever <laughs> it might be, uh, and they know that this belief has followed them through their life, but they can't exactly pinpoint was yeah. like nothing that bad ever happened to me. I don't know why I believe this. Right. Yes, and course. so then our job as a therapist is to help them figure out some of those early experiences that might have lended to that belief mm-hmm. and, um, maybe even do like, I like to do a trauma timeline with my clients where they have yeah. to write down basically highs and lows for their whole life, (laughs) (laughs) positive memories, negative memories, things that were hard. And, and I'll guide them through some ideas of uh, like major transitions, like parents got divorced, dog died, you moved homes, your dad didn't have a job, like Mm -hmm. things like that, that might've been traumatic in the family life that you didn't even realize were part of your trauma. (laughs) If you've listened to the soul grit podcast for even one episode, You know, my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, 
I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. So Monica, do you find that, um, people need like refreshers on their EMDR or like that once it's kind of taken care of, is is that good for like the rest of their life or how does that work? Well, so I wish I could say, yeah, it's a set it and forget it. You know, (laughs) you do it and then it's done. Um, but as, as you know, and you know, it, it's sort of a, f- a phrase that a number of us hear and it's frustrating, but like trauma isn't, or healing isn't linear. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I really liken it to, you know, healing is a spiral staircase mm-hmm. and you might feel like you're back at the same place, but you're at a different elevation with it. You're on a different level with it. Mm-hmm. And so you may do really great EMDR or, or trauma work with a provider around not good enough mm-hmm. and then get triggered by your partner a year later. Mm-hmm. And, and you might be like, ah, why did I go back to that? You know, but um, like I said, trauma is biological. It's in our body. And so we do sometimes have to have those refreshers or those, uh, you know, uh, follow-up sessions, because there may be a new memory that's being activated or new experience in that memory channel that's coming up for us. And so that's where, you know, you might come back into doing this work again around a familiar belief, but you might just be on a different, a different plane with it. And so in that case, it probably happens a little bit more quickly. Because it's like reinforcing (laughs) what was already there instead of starting from scratch. That's right. And and a number of the clients that do come back in like, oh, that button got pushed again. Mm -hmm. They they know what it's about. And they might say like, when I think back to when I felt this way in childhood, I'm not activated about it. Mm -mm. But now I'm reminded of middle school. Now I'm reminded (laughs) of that job where I got fired, right? There was something connected. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be a new, a new part that's, that's showing up with some more energy or activation around it. Mm -hmm. So recently I had a client tell me we had done some EMDR work around uh, a specific trauma. I'm going to try to be really vague so that (laughs) this makes sense to people, but I don't give any details. Um, So that we had done EMDR around a specific trauma and she had this, um, just really beautiful image that I believe was given to her by the Holy spirit when she was in that healing process. And then uh, randomly another like activation, as you said, like something agitated her that kind of reminded her of the trauma again. And she felt in her body that it was um, starting to come back, you know? Mm -hmm. And then as she moved around her home and, and, um, refreshed where this image had happened, this image from the Holy spirit, Mm -hmm. the activation left 
And it was so beautiful because it was like, yeah, sometimes we forget what God's done in our lives, but he will bring back reminders for us to remember his faithfulness and that we don't have to feel anxious and afraid and wounded for the rest of our lives. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much because again, he, he wants us to, to be healed. That's, that's why he came and died on the cross for us is he wants healing for us. He wants fullness of life for us. Doesn't want us burdened with guilt or shame or these negative cognitions, so to speak. Mm -hmm. He wants us to be, you know, empowered in his spirit. And so, um, when, when we can engage in this work, we are, we are positioning ourselves to be more empowered, you know, kingdom fighters, you know, more empowered or more emboldened, um, individuals that he can use, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're not bogged down with these negative experiences or these painful past beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I just, I I really do believe in this work. I believe in, in how it can help us heal. And like you said, keep us healing even ourselves, even afterwards, right? Like, oh yeah, that's right. I am good enough. Or that is right. I, I, I did the best I could. And, you know, so, um, yeah, I think that that, that's just a beautiful example that you just shared about how, how God and, and this work can be lasting. Yeah. So this is a perfect segue because I know that sometimes I've talked to Christians, um, that feel like, I don't know what all this eye movement stuff is. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's voodoo and I'm not doing it. Or they'll say, they'll say, is that like hypnosis? Or they'll, mm-hmm. they'll think there's mm-hmm. something woo-woo about EMDR. And so uh, how would you respond to a Christian that has that uncertainty about whether this, this method is acceptable for believers? Yeah, such a great question. And, um, and I get those, those comments often as well. Like, is this, you know, are you going to wave your magic wand? And, you know, what is this, this, you know, voodoo? Um, And, and I just want to say to those people, like, God has given us the ability to heal. Mm -hmm. You know, when we get a cut on our arm, we don't have to tell ourselves to send blood to close it you know we don't have to we don't have to think our way out of that mm-hmm. he has designed us to to do that and and so he has given us this ability to to heal from our past experiences to process this and and often when we do this is in rem right that's when we when we're in REM sleep, that's when our brain processes, it compartmentalizes, it stores things into long-term or short-term memory. He has given us that capacity already. Mm-hmm. EMDR just uses what God designed, yes. right? We are just using his, his pathway mm-hmm. and, and we, are, we are bringing it into the conscious. We're, we're, we're moving the unconscious stuff into the conscious. So instead of doing it when you're sleeping, we're doing it when you're awake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's nothing, there's nothing witchcrafty about this. This is mm-hmm. God's, this is God's design. Yeah. And in fact, it doesn't use any um, medication or chemicals. It yeah. doesn't use any, um, I don't know, philosophies or theories that you have to buy into. Um, We're not manifesting healing. We're not using our energy to, and this isn't, 
you know, this is really just sort of, again, um, following his flow, his, his process for healing. Mm-hmm. So Monica, I know that before I trained in EMDR, I was like, I think this is going to be a good thing, but I want to experience it as a client first, before I invest the time and money in getting trained. And so I found, I found a Christian EMDR therapist that could help me work through a couple of issues that had just been kind of lifelong things that I was struggling with. And so I went um, to do some EMDR and every time that I got into reprocessing, the Holy spirit showed up and I like, I could feel him there in the room and like miraculous things would be happening. I mean, I know the Bible pretty well, but Mm -hmm. I would be in this, um, like in the reprocessing phase and scripture would just start pouring out of me. Or oh, I love it. I was like, I wasn't, I, love I know <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about a particular scripture or anything, but then like, like Psalms after Psalms would be coming out. And, and this Holy spirit was like bringing to mind in this place that I needed healing, um, ways that he has healed believers for centuries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know, and I can really reassure clients that our believers that come in to see me, I can say like, um, I'm going to give it like a pretty good percentage here. Holy spirit's going to show up. If you let him, like he's going to be here and he's going to show you something new and, uh, and spark healing in you. And so, um, that's what I like to reassure believers with. And that in itself might sound woo woo, depending on your, like <laughs> your Christian yeah. faith tradition mm-hmm. and to actually feel the Holy spirit. But I know that that has been my experience. And so, um, I, you had mentioned to me that you also experienced, um, EMDR as a client. So yeah, what yeah. was your experience like? So, so part of that was that I wanted to make sure that it was effective virtually. It was sort of an experiment on myself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, during the pandemic, you know, we had to go virtual and, um, and figure out how to, how to pivot in that season. And um, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't offer that with the confidence until I had experienced it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, so I, I, I got, I got me a good therapist <laughs> who knew what she was doing and just trained in EMDR and, um, and faith filled. And, um, and so I, I did the, the virtual work with her and it was so impactful still. So, so many new insights, um, so much healing and transformation that happened in that work with her. And, and so, um, that helped me to feel more confident that I could offer this and that it was going to be an effective, uh, you know, offer to my clients, mm-hmm. um, that we could still accomplish the same results we were getting in, in office. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just speaking from my own personal experience, yes, like absolutely. Will, will those images of, of Jesus coming into the scene and holding, you know, or, or being that lion, you know, and roaring on our behalf, right? Like these images are images that, that he will absolutely use and, and, and integrate into that healing for us. If, if that's where we're at, you know? Yeah. 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 
So you mentioned that you're doing EMDR online right now. Yes. And so that's, that's a little different than if you're right there in the room and, you know, you can touch each other, <laughs> yes. but, uh-huh. but you're finding that it is, is equally effective. Are, what are some of the different, uh, like what makes it a little bit different to do uh, online EMDR? So for me personally, I, in addition to my EMDR, as I said, I'm certified in trauma, trauma therapy. So I, I integrate some ego states or IFS, um, internal family systems. I also integrate some, some body-based interventions like somatic therapy. So for me, in order to offer the reprocessing, remember stage four, in order for me to get to there with my clients, I really spend that time in preparation Um, making sure that they feel comfortable to communicate with me Mm -hmm. the fullness of their experience, not Mm -hmm. just what their shoulders, neck and head are doing, Mm -hmm. but like my feet are racing or I'm tapping my hands, Mm -hmm. right? Like when they can share that information with me, when they can be attuned to the fact that they're even doing it, yeah. right? We sometimes have to, to train our, our clients to, to notice their own body, Mm -hmm. um, when we experience traumas, our brain and body, they're, they're neat. They're want, they're, the instinct is to disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are trying to, to contain that information as, um, as easily as possible without overloading our system. Mm-hmm. So reconnecting that brain and body, you know, is, is the work that I do with my clients in that preparation phase. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that early, early on work is just saying what's happening with your feet right now, as we're talking about this, what are you noticing in your stomach mm-hmm. so that they, they start to learn the questions and then they can start to give me their answers before I even prompt yeah. them. Yeah. That helps us to really have a successful, uh, you know, reprocessing session um, because they're already kind of, they're in the flow with me about that. They know what I'm looking for and they can communicate those things that I would normally be looking for if I was in the right. office. If you were in the office, you would see their foot tapping. But, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. But they have to tell you when you're on the screen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Okay. So realize a little bit more on that, those verbal cues. You mentioned that you use a light bar. Can you just explain to us how the light bar works? Yeah. Um, I once had a client say, you know, I could probably make that for you a lot cheaper. Like it's really not anything super, (laughs) um, not high tech, (laughs) not super high tech. It's just literally a, a bar, um, with led lights and, um, it, it'll track, you know, left to right. It'll, it'll pace, you know, at the speed that you select it. Mm -hmm. Um, my particular light bar, I can change colors Mm -hmm. and, and so, um, my clients will sometimes say, I, I prefer this color over that color, just depending on their trauma and um, what it, you know, what the colors can activate for them. Yeah. So, um, so, it, and it'll just, you know, the, the client will, will face towards the light and, and with their eyes only um, follow the lights, you know, mm-hmm. from left to right. And, and it's that process again, that's going to activate that both hemispheres of the brain mm-hmm. and, and bring in bring that old memory into the working memory so mm-hmm. we can reprocess mm-hmm. it. Okay. I just thought people might be interested in knowing what the light bar is when we talk about yeah. that. Yeah. 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 It's a light. <laughs> From my experience, the therapist I went to used a light bar, but I'm a crier. And once I got yep. into processing, 
there was so much crying that I couldn't see the light bar. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we moved to the tappers instead. And that, as you mentioned, they just vibrate from one hand to the other hand. And, and it doesn't really matter what the bilateral is. You can still access that. Yeah, that's right. And, and some of my clients, um, they, they will tap their feet right to left as they, as they watch their eyes, or if, if I sense that they may need more help staying present in the room with me, I might, you know, ask them to do something, you know, in, in addition to just tracing it with their eyes or just holding those tappers. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, those are, those are pivots that I make as a therapist, just depending on what yep. the needs of my clients are and their, their activation. Yeah. Good. Well, I hope that our listeners are feeling like they have like an understanding at least of the basics of EMDR, the process that we go through, how it fits in with our Christian faith, even with other methods that we might use. You mentioned like internal family systems or somatic therapies. Also, um, I feel like, cause I use a lot of CBT in my practice and I feel like it fits there when we were working with the negative cognitions, the positive cognitions, it's just giving you that extra layer of that bodily approach because you mm-hmm. might in CBT say, I'm supposed to think this other thing and I can't make myself think this other thing. But yeah. then when you add with EMDR, more of this um, physical bodily approach, mm-hmm. it allows your brain to think the different things that that are going to be helpful for you. Absolutely. And we know that that fits with scripture as well. So yeah. Yep. It's, it's a, it's a bottom up approach versus the top up, down, you know, mm-hmm. and for a number of clients, you know, when they do CBT, they can, they can change those cognitions and they can feel better about things and that's fine. But where EMDR really helps out is those clients, like you said, who say, I, I know what I'm supposed to think, but I can't absorb it. I, my body won't, you know, make that adjustment. Mm-hmm. That's where Oh, okay. The therapist should be hearing that and saying, oh, okay, we need to get a bottom up approach. We need to, we need to start with the body and move into the cognitions from there. Mm -hmm. So yes, absolutely. And so Monica, I always end my uh, podcast episodes by asking you, what are you doing for soul care? For soul care? Wow. Um, I have been very intentional uh, since I've moved to Texas about balancing my, my practice and my home life and, um, really creating my practice to, to allow me the room that I need to also be a spiritual person, Mm. also be a really, you know, um, faith filled woman. And, uh, so I'm spending more time in the word. Mm. I'm connecting with, um, coaches that are also women of faith. Mm-hmm. to, to empower me and embolden me, right. Because iron, iron sharpens iron. Right. And so I'm really leaning into those connections and, and being intentional with who I'm fellowshipping with and, and also what I'm putting into, into my spirit and, and making more room for that. So that has been the goal since moving here was like, okay, I'm not going to do things the way I did things in California. I'm not going to just be <laughs> go, go, go hustle, hustle, hustle. Like I'm going to going to make Wait some space here. Are you saying <laughs> that Texas is more spiritual than California? <laughs> no, I'm saying my intention around being more spiritual okay. <laughs> has been the biggest difference. 
<laughs> yes, we do, mm-hmm. you know, different parts of the country approach life in different ways. And yeah. you will see that your intentions have to be different depending on where you are and what the community is like around you. Yeah, so, absolutely. absolutely. So wherever you are, you have to be intentional about caring for your soul in the midst of the context and the culture yeah. that you're in. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you explaining things to us and just giving your perspective on this and um, just, just the gentleness and compassion that you come at this with. So Mm. thank you for being here. Thank you Um, so much for inviting me. You did mention you might have a couple of spots available. Is that something, would you like to share how people could um, contact you if they're in Texas or California? Yes. Awesome. Um, so they can reach me. My website is just my name. So it's Monica That's H E L V I E. Um, they can follow me on Instagram. It's just my name, Monica Helvey LMFT. Um, so super easy, um, and, and connect with me there, or, um, I'm going to be coming up with some new programs here in 2023. And so if, if you're interested in working with me in the future, that may be something, um, And I also offer a consultation for EMDR therapists. So I'm a consultant in training. And so, Anne, we're going to get you caught up, girl. We're going to get get you certified. (laughs) (laughs) So Monica can be my consultant Uh to help me get better skills in EMDR. And um, also, I think you, you know, just have a heart for therapists too to live their dreams as well. I do. I do. Yeah. I want to see us being able to take good care of our souls and our spirits and our bodies so that we can continue to do this healing work with people and and pour out to them. Yeah. So I will have all those links in the show notes so people can find you and get connected and you're going to be so full. You don't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you again for being here. Thanks again for having me. I'll talk with you soon. The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.